Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time, the one and only Martin Rooney. Say hello. Hey, guys. Great to be here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's good to hear the one and only. I guess if there were more of me, there might be a big problem. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, so, like, how I like to start my show is, like, easy lobbing questions to get the juices flowing. So the first easy question is, what's the current book you're reading? Oh, the current book I am reading is, uh, I just read, it's pretty interesting. I've been writing a lot lately and I've moved into almost writing, not fiction, but using a lot of my ideas in a fictional story. So I've been reading a lot of uh, fiction writers, in particular, uh, Neil Gaiman and uh, Stephen King, just to see how, you know, the masters do it. And I just finished a book on the way home. We were talking offline where, uh, I was at uh, dropping my daughter off at college this weekend, and I read a book by Stephen King. Man, it was a monster, almost 900 pages, and uh, it is uh, called 112263, and it's this really cool concept of time travel that he uh, kind tries to address, and it was really, really great, but it's more, I'm reading now not just for say training information anymore. I'm, I'm still always reading that and checking it out. But now as a writer as well, I'm trying to really dive deep, not just into their content, but how they write and how they put their ideas together. So it's kind of on a, a little bit of a different level than what I used to do before. But uh, yeah, so that was the book I just finished. And, uh, you know, so, and actually another one that I got that I'm, that I have right next to me right here, it's called Quotable Lou. And it's all these really cool quotes from Lou Holtz uh, when he was coach at Notre Dame, because that's uh, where my daughter is going to Notre Dame. So I'm always reading, always have something going and always writing too. Nice. So now I'm kind of curious at what point in your career did you kind of switch the focus more to like the fiction stuff? Because for me, I'm like, I'm always like alternating between like a fitness book and a business book and personal development. And like, I've tried fiction, but it just doesn't really capture me that much. Yeah. Well, I'll even say this. It wasn't even until probably about a year, year and a half ago. So, and remember I'm much older. So for everybody listening, I may not look it, but I'm 50 now. So, which is hard for me to say and believe, I think this is only the second time publicly I've said it. And, uh, you know, so I've been reading, you know, Hey, obviously you're reading your whole life, but when I really made a study of the fitness industry, the business industry, marketing, finance, money. Uh, I've been doing that 25 years now. So my library is exhaustive. I am always still studying in areas like that as well. But again, as a writer and somebody that, you know, I've written 12 books and uh, I want to really understand that better too. So I wouldn't say I, I read loads of fiction, but I but that was the last book that I definitely read just because I want I'm already thinking about the next book in the trilogy that I'm writing and I want it. I want to be better at it. You know, I want to master the craft just like I wanted to master fitness or business and everything else. Nice. There you go. Um, So next easy question. What is the current TV series you're watching? Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, I would say I don't watch a lot of TV. I think that's a strength, but I will say one that i completed and it was pretty quick was Ted Lasso. Everybody kept mm-hmm. telling me I, I had to watch that. They said it's coaching, it's a uh, sport. And I definitely would say I enjoyed it, but uh, it's kind of interesting. I am a reader. That's where I spend a lot of my time. And with my four kids, I, I don't, uh, 
have a lot of time for TV. So we don't even have cable or anything anymore. I've watched it on, I guess it's Apple TV yeah. is where I saw it. So yeah, I'm not a, a big TV guy, but I, when I do watch TV, I like to watch sporting events. So I, I love college football. And uh, so that is where I watch a lot of that, but yeah, I would definitely say I have not invested a lot of my time into TV, you know, but, uh, but the Ted Lasso thing was cool. And if you're a, if you're a coach, I think people would uh, definitely appreciate it. Thanks. And then last easy question, what do you got planned for the weekend? <laughs> oh, pretty interesting. Tomorrow I am leaving for Miami to uh, go and get to be a fly on the wall for one of the top fight organizations in the world called Combate Global. And I will be uh, watching how their operation works and, and meeting with the heads of that organization. So uh, pretty different answer than most, but that's what I'll be doing. Yeah. Just like last weekend I was in Notre Dame and the weekend before that I was cornering uh, at the UFC with the fighter that had the most fights in UFC history. So uh, up until COVID, I would be, I would be on the road 150 days a year and most of the time on weekends traveling somewhere. So my weekends are usually, uh, they re- you know, they're exciting and they have something cool happening. And this one coming up is one of those. Wow. Nice. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> it's a lot, but uh, for like my audience who don't know who you are, can you do like a quick little intro of like, maybe the highlights of your career. Cause you've, you're yeah. like, I look at you as like a Titan in this industry. So maybe the cliff notes of who you are, what you do and how did you get into this industry? All right. I'll try to do it super fast. And for everybody <laughs> listening, remember what I'm about to tell you is uh, took place over the last 35 years. All right. So, and here's the cool thing. And everything I'm about to say is true. It just means I'm old, right? Cause if you, if you do one cool thing a year, uh, hey, well, I, if I've had a 25-year career, that's 25 things. Too much to talk about. So here we go. I was born in New Jersey, grew up in New Jersey, played all sports. Uh, my mom was a, a, a phys ed teacher and coach, but a coach that found me in particular for one sport, track and field. He saw something in me, changed my life. I went uh, to college for track and field and then uh, the Medical University of South Carolina and got my degree in uh, orthopedic therapy and my master's in health sciences. In a weird twist of fate, I make the U.S. bobsled team represent the uh, U.S. for a handful of years, traveling around the world. And when that was over, I became an orthopedic therapist. But I wanted more. I wanted to do something more. So I got so interested in speed and fitness and training. And on the way to a seminar, I sit next to a guy named Bill Parisi. He's got a company going training uh, sports performance before anybody else in the country was doing it. And by the end of the weekend, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And for the next 15 years, that's what I did with my life. It was this incredible platform to train pro teams and universities and world-class fighters and everything in between. And uh, that led to the development of uh, Training for Warriors, which is the organization I have now, which is all over the world. It's helped tens and tens of thousands of people to lose weight and build muscle, feel better about themselves. And over that span, written a lot of books, had a bunch of kids. And uh, now that's where you find me right now, where the last two years has been a lot less travel, but uh, hey, a a great opportunity to spend more time with my family, uh, which also showed that was really important too. Amazing. That was probably like the <laughs> best like intro. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is like what I kind of wanted because like as you were like speaking about your career, you just got like louder and more excited, louder and more excited, <laughs> which is like amazing. And I think like this is like one of the reasons I really wanted you on my show is like that passion and motivation has always been kind of like part of your identity. And 
now I'm kind of curious, like, were you always like this? Or was this something that you had to like build over the years to get to the point where you're on stage and everybody in the crowd that's like tired from an afternoon of listening to other people are like, yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah, no, that, uh, Ralph, that's a question I get a lot. And a lot of people say, hey, are you always on fire? And, and here's the answer, you ready? Uh, no, so I'm not always on fire. Where I'm on fire is when I'm doing things that I'm passionate about. Like, so right now I'm passionate about talking about fitness. I'm passionate about sharing something today that could get somebody else to improve in some way in their life or their health. So that kind of stuff fires me up. Those are the things that get me up early, keep me up late. Now, you want to see an unpassionate me? Take me to Ikea and ask me about furniture or take me somewhere that it's just something I'm not interested in. Or like you said, like, hey, ask me about a lot of TV shows or things I didn't watch. Then, man, I'm not interested. And uh, so what I'm giving everybody listening is the secret to passion and enthusiasm. And that is spend your time on the things you are passionate and enthusiastic about, in particular, ones that can really help a lot of people. Right. Like, so if you're, if you're enthusiastic about video games and you like playing by yourself, like, ah, that's probably not going to do much for your life. But if you find something, something you're interested in that you could turn into a career, right. Or a vocation, man, then I would say go for it a hundred percent because I, you know, again, I, I did work as a therapist when I didn't really love it. And I did that for years. And you know what? I didn't have the same passion that I have now. So the biggest advice, the big knowledge bomb, everybody listen, write this down. Don't spend all your time trying to get better at something you don't love, right? And I think that's maybe some of the biggest world wisdom you could ever get because most people I meet spend their time on a job they don't like. So then they get money to for just a few hours a week to do the thing they do like. And uh, if you could figure out how to direct your life in the direction of your passion, man, you will find boundless energy and be on fire. And, uh, and that's how I did it. And that's why when you see me on stage or you see me talking about something I've written or you watch me training, yeah, I'm fired up out of my mind because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, maybe that's why they call it on purpose, right? So when somebody says, hey, did you do that on purpose? Uh, man, when you're on purpose, you'll know it. And you'll also know when you're not, because you'll have that knot in your gut. You won't feel great. You'll be nasty to other people. And hey, if that's where you're spending a lot of your time, time to, especially now, would be a great time to get a reset and go for something you're lo you love versus always being too afraid to do it. Yeah, that's really good. And the thing I kind of wanted to get into next is like for a lot of coaches kind of starting out or kind of in the middle of their career where they're almost facing that like, burnout because they're like waking up at 4am to take that 5am client and then they're doing that all the way until 8pm and they're doing shit that they don't really want to do and their passion kind of just drops down like if you had to give advice for them like how can they kind of transition is it like a process because like for me like it took at least I don't know five years to get to a schedule where I'm like excited about it. I wake up in the morning like super excited to help people but I remember so many years ago where it was like oh, here we go, 4 a.m. again, and just not loving life. So I'm just kind of curious, what kind of advice would you give for coaches going through that? Yeah, and hey, and I wish I could say, oh, I never did those things, but I did. And, and we were the early guys and closing out at 10 p.m., seven days a week, building the company. And man, it was, it was hard. But here's one piece of advice is 
always remember that it might be your fifth session of the day, but it's that person's first. And that person also is there and offers something to you. There's something you could learn from everybody. And I looked at it as that every session was building me or building my skills. Like, so it wasn't just what was I giving, but also, hey, what was I getting? And that at least got me excited to try to apply the ideas I was learning or the other stuff I did. But I also would say, and I would challenge everybody, well, then set up a schedule that does work for you. You don't have to do 4.30 a.m. And, and you know what? I eventually set my schedule where I didn't. And one of the things that really pushed me the most was having children. And I remember my wife having this conversation with me and saying, hey, man, you got to like figure out something here. You, you got to come home now. You have a kid. The kid knows you're gone. You can't be there till 8, 9, 10 at night every night anymore. And that led to me uh, creating videos, uh, different things that could take the place of me not being being there, but still create revenue uh, so I could be home. So I would challenge everybody to be creative and how can you work outside of that box? And maybe the last piece on that is if there are people that are wearing you down with you that you work with, hey, you are not obligated to have to work with every person. If there's somebody that they're not getting it done or they're not excited or they're not exciting for you, Hey, unfortunately, say it's not working out and go find the clients, uh, you know, members that will keep you fired up that are super dedicated to make incredible progress. And I think that was one of my secrets was I was working predominantly with athletes. And you know what? Athletes want to get better, man. And they, and they are motivated and they're going to do everything you say. And maybe that made my life a little easier, too. So those would all be great pieces of advice. But maybe lastly, Hey, really ask yourself, is this what you want to do? Like, do you really love helping people or do you just like fitness for your own self, but this isn't what you want to do? Maybe that might be the best thing you find out too. And that's okay. But again, I think already one common thread is, man, figure out what you really love. And if fitness isn't it, that's okay too, but you got to go figure out what it is because the last thing you want to be doing this word, right? Grinding. Because grinding means you're just wearing yourself down. And if you're grinding, then you're probably not doing the thing that you really love to do. Yeah. And I think you touched on a really good point of like working with the people that you are passionate about and want to help. Because like, for me, like my environments that I trained in weren't the best, like working with like negative coworkers or just like negative people in general, like that wears you down so quickly but I think a lot of people kind of get stuck where they don't want to take that jump of like, I'm going to switch gyms or I'm going to like quit and move to a different country or province or whatever it is. So maybe my next question would be like for someone that's kind of in that stage where everything kind of feels like it's closing in on them and they know that they need to make a change, but they just can't jump in with two feet to make that big life decision. Like, do you have any advice on someone like just switching gears completely? Yeah. Well, here, here's my biggest advice. Another knowledge bomb. So the first one we said today was, uh, hey, don't spend all your time either doing or trying to improve in something you don't aren't passionate about. I think that's illogical. And here's the other one. You ready? I wish somebody could have told me this one sooner. What's ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? So look, you said, oh my gosh, I got to make this shift, shift gears, do this. Maybe I'm going to try something new. What's the worst that could happen? And do you know what the answer is, Ralph? The worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out and you go back to the thing that, you know, you were doing yeah. that makes you miserable. You at least know yeah. that's there. So like, what are you afraid of? What's the big risk? There is no big risk where, you know, I'm not telling people to 
risk their life savings or lose their homes and their relationships, their families. But hey, if there's something else you want to try, like what, what's the worst that could happen? Like go for it. The people around you are going to still love you. And you know what? It's, it's probably not final and it's probably not fatal, but yet we, we get so scared and paralyzed that we do nothing and spend our time miserable. And if man, you can't be your own best advocate for that, then, uh, then it's going to be difficult. And, and that's something, again, maybe what I'm talking about here because I'm older is it's wisdom, right? Now, as I look back, man, why did I do some jobs for years when I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was too afraid to tell my parents I didn't want to be a therapist or, or, oh man, if I went through all this school and now if I don't do this, did it, have I let somebody down where I should have just known, well, the worst thing can happen is I go try this. And if it doesn't work, I go back to that. And you know what? When I did leave, I didn't go back. And now 20 years later, it looks like the best move I ever made, but I was like real hesitant to make it. So, you know, those all are pieces of wisdom for everybody. But I'm also saying too, weigh your options, really think it through. Don't do something rash. Maybe you could do a little of both, you know, moonlight, side hustle. I don't know, try something out and just see where it goes. If you're too afraid to make the big leap, but doing nothing, if you already know you're not super happy where you are, that would be the worst mistake. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to something you touched on about, you know, adapting yourself when you had your first kid. And like with COVID, I think everyone had to adapt quite quickly, like sink or swim. So I'm kind of curious for you, like how did you adapt to when COVID hit and basically shut down the whole world? Because it's always kind of interesting chatting with different coaches in the fitness industry, what they had to go through. Because like, you know, what happened here in Canada is a little bit different what happened in the States. And then every state had their own regulations and things like that. So I'm kind of curious, like, what did you have to do to adapt? Yeah, it was, uh, I'll tell you what, it was the, some of the most stressful stuff that has ever happened because training for warriors, th this is a license program I have where we have licensees all over the world of people that are using elements of the system to help people. And uh, like you said, not only were Every, you know, every U.S. state had different rules. You saw what's happened in Canada. And, and man, I feel so bad for our Canadian affiliates and some of them that were either closed down or then, then the mandatory, hey, you can't let certain people in or not. Or it's just, it was very difficult for me to stay on top of it. But what I did was I embraced it and increased my communication level. So every week I did uh, Zooms if they wanted to be on them to just keep people motivated and keep people going when it was at our toughest times and just remind people of the things that they could do to maintain the relationships with their people to keep their businesses going. And uh, yeah, so I didn't uh, f uh, you know, fall back. I leaned in and, uh, and man, though, it was, it was stressful. It was uh, exhausting you know, cause I did that. I remember for 65 straight weeks until a lot of the world was kind of back open again, but uh, yeah, it was to watch something I've tried to build for 20 years, really get decimated in a way that was out of my control. That was tough, but I'll tell you what, now in retrospect, what it taught me about leadership, other stuff. Hey, I wrote this book. This book is about culture and leadership and all, you know, almost all the lessons that I learned uh, about it. And none of those things could have happened if not for the challenge. So sometimes, again, adversity, when you look back on it, it's like, wow. You know, I'm never going to say I'm glad COVID happened. I don't think I will ever say that. But I understand some of the silver linings 
uh, that definitely occurred as a result now that we're almost two years into this thing. But yeah, man, it was, uh, my biggest thing was uh, not hiding out. It was being visible and trying to help as many people as I could. So here, another knowledge bomb. This is a biggie for everybody listening. When your life is rough or things are tough or man, you feel down, go help somebody that's got bigger problems than you do. And you know what? You forget all about yours. And, uh, and that's what I, and where I spent my time. So I didn't really drive myself crazy or get depressed. I just tried to, what could I do every day? What action could I take and how could I help somebody? Oh, that's really good. And I, I think like for the gyms that went through COVID, the ones that ended up, you know, continuing on and still functioning as a business, those are the ones who had such a strong culture. And I've kind of like, I followed your work forever. And I'm like, yeah, culture is hundred percent. Like that's, what's going to make or break a business. So it's been kind of interesting seeing what gyms kept open. And then when you audit their business on social media, you could just see it's like all the people, like, you know, the gym shut down and all the members are still like, what can we do to help? Like they came yeah. to you to make sure your business didn't close down. So I don't know. In a, yeah. I guess, in like culture. silver lining thing. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. Culture is the king. Yeah. Man, culture wins. And, and that was the biggest lesson in my newest book, High 10. It shows people how to do it. It's really, it's a business book, too, as much as an, uh, you know, an easy to read story parable. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think everybody needs it. Because here's the other part, too. Whether we do come out of this and it goes back to quote unquote normal. It's not the end of challenges. There's going to be more challenges. There'll be another economic recession. There'll be other things that challenge your business all the time. And if that culture is not in place, you're going to be in trouble. And, and yeah, like I think that was another huge lesson uh, that we got from this whole experience. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to chat about COVID is now that we've been in it almost like two years, <laughs> um, what do you like kind of predict if you had like, you know, a shiny ball and you had to predict the future of the fitness industry, what do you kind of see happening in the next year, or two years, three years? Yeah. Well, I think obviously in some way it can be difficult because look how things have been so fluid and how they keep changing, you know, like, so what I'm about to say, I guess would be, uh, discounting if there is another variant or something else happens. So let's say, hey, the variants calm down, the numbers continue to calm down and, and, and or we treat this like the flu and it's like, hey, this is just going to happen, get back to life. If that's the case, man, I think the health and fitness industry is primed for an explosion. In particular, kind of the small boutique spaces, places where people are going to have a connection. Cause you know, I mean, people have become more unhealthy. I don't have the exact statistics, but I can imagine that pe more people have gained weight, more people's diets are out of control. There's more depression. And you know what exercise and fitness is a uh, antidote to that. And uh, people need it and they know they need it. It's just, they may still be hesitant to get out there, but I'm already seeing a lot of uh, facilities already having people rushing back to it. So I think there's gonna be huge opportunity and there's gonna be a need uh, for people in this space and we have to be ready, right? And, uh, and it's gonna be for the people that wanna really help those people. So, hey, if people, if you're listening and you say, oh, I only wanna work with high-end people or pros or, or people that are super dedicated and super fit, well, I'll also say that's not gonna be uh, that's not the blue ocean. The blue ocean are going to be all the people that really need some help now that health and fitness becomes uh, at the top of their mind again. 
And uh, so that would definitely not only be my prediction, but it's already kind of happening. You're seeing mm -hmm. it. People are going to start rushing back and, uh, and we have to be ready for that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people is more so like their mental health. Cause like so many people that, you know, came back to train with me or even the new people I'm getting right now, like they've had so much like trauma essentially. And the other day I was just chatting with a new person and she just like went out and told me everything about her drinking problem that she started during COVID and like gained a lot of weight. And I was like, Holy crap, there's a lot of people out there probably doing the same thing. And like, she was brave enough to take that initial step to like start training again, but there's so many people out there that are probably still at home, not wanting or not having the motivation to get going. And I think as us as in the fitness industry, it's like our job to like do another piece of content to maybe like get them to be like, yeah, you know what? It's time for me to change or something. Like we need to do more to get these people back on track. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, never has mental health, been more on the forefront, you know, and I really believe, you know, when you say like body, mind, spirit, they all go together. And uh, so maybe that's something else in the prediction is you've also got to make sure that you're addressing that in some capacity in your training as well. And I don't, I wish I had all the answers for that. I am not a psychologist, you know, so, uh, but definitely these are all things. Yeah. We have to be aware of what we're dealing with and people, man, there has never been a more mentally stressful time than what we have experienced in the last year and a half. And people need help, right? And like you already mentioned, even if it's one person that you help stop drinking and they do the right thing, it, it could be, uh, man, it could be worth it. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I kind of want to get into is your book. And funny enough, I have it right beside me. <laughs> but I, I remember when uh, it came out and I was like, okay, I need to like read this thing. And like, I blew through that thing so quick. And I like absolutely love the storytelling of it, but I'm kind of curious more so of like what triggered you to write it. Cause like I'm working on my second book right now. And it's always like this, I always get this like feeling like, oh, I need to like start writing and you just like blow as much information onto your page as possible. So I'm kind of curious, like what kind of motivated you to kind of get this book onto print? Yeah, well, so I, as I mentioned before, I've written a number of different books. I started more definitely in the health and fitness space and exercise books. And some of them went really big, like the uh, original Training for Warriors. It's like 150,000 copies worldwide in a lot of languages. And uh, that led to other books. But when I started really presenting on coaching, uh, at the end of each uh, seminar or workshop, people would say, oh man, you got to do a book on this. You got to do a coaching book. You got to do a coaching book. And it just never felt right. You know, like I didn't uh, think that coaching was a, if this, then that, you know, I couldn't see a textbook on coaching. And so I never wrote anything. And then I realized, man, well, what about a story? You know, I'm always telling stories. People love the stories. What about a story within the story? And that's why I started having to read fiction or understand how people tell stories or how it works. And that led to, I don't even know if you about, know about this one, but the original book that came out right when COVID hit is called Coach to Coach. And that's the first parable book. And uh, so that book was so successful during COVID that I was asked and they said, hey, do you want to do the sequel? And the sequel is High 10. The High 10 takes place 30 years after Coach to Coach. But to answer your original question, why did I write High 10? Well, one, I had a lot of time on my hands because I wasn't going anywhere anymore during COVID. But it is the sequel, almost the, the, the block that gets put on top of 
the foundation of coaching. So first you got to understand coaching and relationships and people. And once you understand that and you know you want to be a coach, then you got to know how to coach for culture. And that was the second book. So they they are kind of, you could say a package deal. They go together. But uh, yeah, it was just, man, it was, I was so inspired to write it because it w- there was never a more important time for people to read it. And man, I blew through not only writing it, but then they fast-tracked it to get it out. And uh, yeah, so these two books came out uh, pretty much a year apart where really in the big publishing industry like that, these aren't, you know, again, these aren't self-published books. These are with a big publishing house called Wiley, who, you know, if you've ever heard of Patrick Lencioni or John Gordon, this is also their publishing house. And uh, they, we ripped through where sometimes a book could take two or three years from writing to completion to have one in your hand. And we got these out quick. So it was really, uh, really great. But that was the, the impetus behind it. Nice. Do you, do you think you're going to write another one anytime soon? <laughs> um, you know, what's funny is that's why I'm reading again, because I always envisioned it would be a trilogy. There's a, there's a prequel to both of who the old coach is and where did he come from? And, uh, and yeah, so it's germinating in my head now, but I'll tell you what, it takes a lot. Like it takes a lot out of you to produce a book. And, you know, you read high 10. I don't know if you've read coach coach. It's the best stuff I ever wrote. It's, it's got, you know, hundreds of stories within the stories and the, and what it takes to put it together. And then to sit down in the months and months of writing, and then the months and months of editing, uh, man, when I really commit to something, I go all in and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's almost like, I know I'm going to do it. I just don't know, you know, when that's going to be. Cause the minute I start, I want to try to completely focus on it, but the ideas are starting to germinate. You know, they are starting to come together. And like I said, I'm going to do my research again. Hey, how, how do the greatest storytellers tell stories? I want to try to deconstruct that and, uh, and then create something great again that people will love. Awesome. I love that you're always learning. <laughs> but um, now I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. And like, uh, I'm going to go into a story about myself, actually. And funny enough, I think it was 2017 or 2016 when you were... Uh, talking at the perform better in long beach. And I ended up actually getting into an elevator with you. And I was so like scared to say hi. <laughs> Cause I was like, at that point in my career, I was like, so like introverted and like quiet. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Martin Rudy. Oh my God, it's Martin Rudy. And I was like, all right. So the elevator's opening. I'm out of here. <laughs> but, uh, after that like conference, I was like, you know what, I'm going to like make it my goal to make sure that I can like communicate with anyone. Like I can go on stage. It's all good. And like, I really pushed myself out of that comfort zone. So I kind of wanted to get your advice for any coach that is just like a natural introvert. That's like quiet. And like our industry, like if we can't, you know, sell ourselves and like have conversations or meaningful conversations with people, then we're going to kind of have a slow career in the beginning. And that was something I learned really hard, really fast, but yeah, if we can talk about how to get out of your shell. Um, well, Hey, I, that one's a tough one because for anybody listening, I don't want you to be something you're not, you know, like uh, a lot of people sometimes will say to me, they're like, Hey, I want to be like you. And it's like, man, be careful what you wish for. You know, like I see, here's what I would say for everybody that's listened today. You probably feel it, right? Like this is the authentic me. I'm not acting. I'm not holding things back. I'm me. And when I'm being me, that's when I feel that I'm at my best and things are happening very naturally. So For instance, if someone is more naturally introverted, obviously people can tell I'm more of an extroverted guy. 
And uh, hey, then I would try to figure out how that style works for you versus trying to be something that you're not, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, but again, I get it in terms of whether it's market marketing or trying to attract people or whatever else, but it's figuring out what works, but what works for you so you can be the best you, not the somebody else. Because I think it's pretty obvious when somebody's just over the top not who they are trying to be something they're not. And uh, that authenticity, I would say, is as important as whether it's introverted or extroverted, right? Now, you can't coach somebody if you just sit in the corner with your eyes on the wall and you're afraid to talk to anybody. Maybe that might be the wrong industry for you. But uh, but yeah, my advice would be, uh, what else are you studying? It's not just fitness, nutrition, flexibility. Hey, what are you studying about communication? What are you studying about how you use your tonality and your words? What are you studying? You know, these are all things that I spent so much time on to understand how to, you know, I call it like the Holy Grail in one of my books. And that is to try to figure out how to say the right thing at the right time to the right person. And, and these are skills. There are, there are areas that you can improve on in that. It's not just all natural ability or, or born ability. Right. But what I would say is, yeah, like you said, Hey, I'm always learning. Hey, what are you learning right now? Where are you spending your time? But I'll also say that just because you're introverted doesn't mean you can't be successful in this industry, but you got to figure out how to make you work for this industry. If that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And like, for me personally, like I was like, okay, I, was, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And that was like one of the reasons why I started the podcast to have meaningful conversations with people. And like, I always bring the story up in my show where like my first couple episodes, I was like so nervous and like had so much anxiety where I wanted to like throw up and like, but I would interview people for the first time. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Right. But now it's like, it's so easy just to like chat with anybody. And like, it's just, you know, it's another thing. And even um, for social media, because I was like, okay, I need to get comfortable on camera. And I always tell the story, like my first video I ever posted for like fitness and health stuff, I think it took like 43 takes and it was only like 10 seconds long, but I'm like, it's just practice over time. Yeah. And then you just get used to it. But I think it's well, just that, that initial. A couple important things too, that, Hey, no matter what, nothing comes easy. For instance, Hey, I may sound like I'm coming across really well on this podcast, but I've done thousands of podcasts and given thousands of speeches, right? Or uh, again, like you said, hey, I had to push out of my comfort zone all the time and everything you do from whether it's sitting down to read, maybe that's not comfortable for a person to actually speaking or being in front of camera, all of that. I don't think any of those are natural skills. Those are all learned things. So, you know, again, the concept of introverted versus extroverted that's different than, hey, definitely don't discount no matter what. If you want to get better, you got to go out of your comfort zone and you got to practice. And you said both of those things. And most people don't have either the discipline or the consistency to do it. So I would always say, I'm not that talented. I'm just a really hard worker. And I've stuck with stuff way longer than most people will do that. And that's how, that's how I achieved what I have. Not because, wow, I was either born talented or rich or something, which neither of those was the case. Yeah. And I, I think what you said about discipline is really important because I think a lot of people don't really have it. Like they rather do something that's easy say like sit on their couch and watch a Netflix series. And like, if you had to create like a time management thing or like a discipline thing, like how can someone get better at that? Because I've had people in the past where they're like, you know, like my brain runs all the time and I can't like 
just hammer down an hour to work out or hammer down an hour to like write a blog or whatever it is. Like, how do you kind of create that repetition or discipline or like a day where it actually flows and not just like, well, I hope everything works out today. <laughs> well, no, I mean, hey, it's not, nothing is by accident. It's all with planning, right? It's planning and a schedule. So for instance, if you noticed, was I right on on the minute when it was time oh, to come yeah. on to this thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, oh, yeah, you know, because that's on my schedule and I know what my schedule is. I've committed to it and I do it. So I know like, hey, I've written a blog almost every week, you know, until COVID, some of that went off, you know, for years and years and years. And same thing, I podcasted every week for I think it was three and a half years straight. And it's almost all of those things happen because of a schedule. And uh, you've got to create that for yourself. Now, what it, what gets in the way of that? Netflix shows, your phone in your hand, internet, you know, email, and you've got to schedule that in too. So if you don't say, hey, uh, this is what I'm going to write. And this is when the blog is going to be produced or when the podcast will happen or when my workout will happen, then it won't because it's not going to magically happen by accident. So uh, here's a good line. I use another little nugget of wisdom. World championships don't happen by accident. Neither do great careers, neither do loads of skills. It's all been planned. And planning is free, man. Like anybody can do it. You don't have to be talented to plan. You just have to be disciplined to follow it. And, uh, you know, most people won't. And that's what gets me excited because most people don't do it. And I know if I do, then I'm going to have what they don't have. Right. And uh, so it's kind of, it's really simple. You just have to do the simple stuff for a really long time. Nice. Now, the next thing I kind of wanted to get into is like, anytime I get someone on my show who has kids and they're in the fitness industry, it's like, how did you like navigate that? Cause like having a, baby like just turns your whole world upside down and now you have to like oh shit now I can't go to the gym until 8 p.m like you said earlier and like how did you kind of shift priorities without like you know letting your business fail and your clients fail whatever it is like how did you find balance to do both things I was I was waiting for that word right like balance balance everybody asks me that one all the time too Martin look you have four kids you have this business you write you travel how do you get the balance and here's the answer you ready there is no balance. There is no balance like, ooh, it's uh, 25% this, 25% that. Here's how it works. And, and my explanation. Balance is an interesting concept, right? So for instance, right now, gravity is working against you and anybody in the fitness industry, gravity, without gravity, we would have no industry, right? Like we have to use <laughs> it the right way to do everything. But say you were walking forward and you start to move. Well, what happens is you off balance yourself, right? Your center of gravity is now in front of you and you're either gonna fall on your face or you're gonna take a step. And then when you take that step, momentarily you're almost balanced, but you're still leaning forward, so you're off balance again and you gotta take another step. And that's what I would say life is like, right? Like, oh man, I gotta really focus on my business right now. So boom, you, you're leaning forward into that. But wait a minute, I gotta come back because like there's something with the family. And oh man, I wanna do this for my health and my fitness. Oh man, now I gotta do this. And it's kind of like this constant, not balancing act, but off balancing act that happens. And I'll say this, it's really what is taking the biggest priority, right? You got to prioritize. There are things I won't miss for my family, but then there are things that I have to do. So for instance, this week, I have a big 
opportunity. So I'm going to it. I'm going to be gone for a few days. That's not balanced. Now I'm not with my kids at all. That hurts. It hurts me, probably hurts them. But in order to do this thing, maybe that takes care of my family even better. So I have to make those decisions to do it. And, uh, but I'll also say this, uh, a big word for me is, but what are my non-negotiables? And my non-negotiables, man, fitness, dude, I'm, I'm going to train. I'll figure out when it is. Maybe it's earlier, maybe it's later, but I'm going to train. Doesn't matter where it is. You're not going to stop that. I'm going to read. Every day, I'm going to read something. It's almost like a drug. If I don't read, I go out of my mind. Just like if I don't work out, I go out of my mind. I don't feel like uh, something's missing, right? I'm going to eat well. There's all these little non-negotiables that got to fit into the schedule. And then, then you prioritize and try to off balance or balance out everything else. But I, I just want everybody to understand that's listening. There is no like, oh, just do this. And now your life is perfect. And, and everything's, everybody's happy. Like, no, you're never going to make everybody happy. You're never going to do all the things you want to do. What you've got to do is make sure you first do the things you have to do, but also make sure you're getting in your non-negotiables so that, you know, you don't make them what I call your expendables, right? Like, cause most people, oh, I'm busy. So now I don't work out. Oh, I'm busy. Now I don't sleep. Oh, I'm busy. So I ate bad food, which I think that one always makes me laugh. You know, like, oh, it's busy. That's why I ate junk instead of putting the right thing in the hole under my nose. That never makes sense. But the whole thing is, it's, I, again, it's just being structured and doing it. And, and hey, I want everybody to know too, I'm not perfect. I don't do it perfect. I mess up a lot, but, I've been doing this a long time and it, and a lot of what I've said today has really worked out for me. Awesome. Um, so maybe one of the last questions I wanted to get into is now like your kids are almost like grown up, but like when you first started having your family, um, how did you kind of influence your kids to make fitness and health a priority without going overboard? Cause I find like us in the fitness industry, we're like huge advocates and you want everyone to be healthy. And then some people can be like, all right, that's too much. Just just stay away from me. But how did you try to influence your whole family to kind of follow the health and fitness lifestyle? Well, here's the simplest way you could say it, right? Like uh, say for instance, religion. Well, how does a family influence their people with religion? Well, I guess they take them to that church and it's the things that they talk about and it's the way their family does it, right? And hey, with and the word religion, by the way, is just a set of beliefs that you feel really strongly about. So like health and fitness is kind of like a religion in my house a little bit. So they come to the gym with me and they were always around the gym and they understand this is what I do and we're going to eat good food. And we kind of talk about it and we watch sports and then it becomes a little bit of what they do, right? And, and hey, the greatest athlete or my favorite athlete, people ask me that one, it's my oldest daughter. She's on the track team at the University of Notre Dame, which is a pretty big time thing. It's my crowning achievement, I believe, as a coach, because, hey, I've coached Super Bowl champs and UFC champs, but when you can coach your own teenage kid, daughter, then you, you know, then you know some of your stuff works, right? But, uh, but um, so the first part is, hey, it's, you have to immerse them in that and you have to live it. What's the biggest way is I do it and they see what their dad does. And then they do that stuff too, right? And, uh, but I will also say this, like, cause you hinted at it, everything in moderation though. Like do my kids get ice cream? Do my kids, you know, have snacks that probably aren't always the healthiest? Absolutely. But they understand moderation. They know that, Hey, they got to work out. I talked to them about sleep. So that's a part two is I try to educate them 
so they really understand it as well. So, uh, yeah, like, so definitely in our house, it's not like uh, we're just eating alfalfa sprouts and, uh, and water and that's it. But, uh, but at the same time, I have lived it and my wife lives it. And then, you know what, that's what the kids do too. Like, remember, like, uh, say it's American football, you got the Manning brothers. Well, it's probably not a coincidence. Their dad was a pro quarterback, you know, or you see, you see all these athletes, but it's they're the sons and daughters of athletes. Well, Hey, they didn't force them to do it. It's just kind of what they, what that family does, I guess. And then all of a sudden you're, uh, that's what you do. So, so that would be for everybody listening. Hey, are you being the fitness person at home too? And are you, you know, trying to get your kids into a fitness lifestyle? Cause that's what we're trying to do in the gym. Like, so if you can't get your own kids into a fitness lifestyle, you're probably going to have a hard time doing it with the, the people that are not fit that are coming to you. Right. So, so yeah, so I guess it's inspire them, educate them, but definitely don't, here's another one is don't make exercise and food a punishment you know, or a reward. And uh, maybe you'll probably do pretty good. Um, so maybe for the last question, because we're coming up to that time is if people wanted to learn more about you and what you do, where to get your book and anything else you want to promote on my show, you can right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hopefully everybody enjoyed that today. And I do feel like I had said, I think we hit some huge nuggets. And the best way everybody can thank me first is, hey, you got to do something with it right? Like if we, if you just listened and you nodded your head, that's entertainment. If you go take some action on something now, it really did why we did this today. But uh, Hey, if you're interested in checking out the books, the two new books are coach to coach and high 10, they are on Amazon. And uh, man, I'm telling you easy reads. If you're intimidated by books, don't be, you will love it. And I promise if you thought this interview was good, when you read these books, you will read them again and again. And uh, man, I guarantee they will help you in a lot of areas of your life. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Hey, if you want to see, if you want to see my, uh, uh, my kids or my family or what I do. Hey, check me out as at the Martin Rooney on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too. And if you want to see some other writings, some blog stuff, you could go to coachinggreatness.com. And I've got lots of information up there too. And uh, again, it was my pleasure uh, to share today. And man, there were some great questions. So I think we got some great answers. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. My pleasure.